so much. So he's going to come up and share. So if you would welcome Pastor Bob Claycamp. Hey, it's a joy to be here. It's good to see you all. This is your service, right? You always go to second service? Because you don't want to go to 8 o'clock service. Is that right? You don't want to get up? Yeah, okay, I know that. Well, it's great to be here. Thank you for inviting me. I'm going to be sharing from 2 Timothy this morning. So if you could turn in your Bible to 2 Timothy. We're going to look at four lessons that Paul the Apostle told to Timothy, his son in the faith, from his very last letter before he ended up being beheaded outside the city of Rome. And I'm thinking about his situation. You don't hear him complaining about how unjust things have been, why he shouldn't be there, complaining about the conditions in the Mamertine prison, the fact that you got a Roman soldier chained to you and they change, you know, shifts and he's got a new one. And, you know, that, that poor, those poor Roman soldiers were chained to the Apostle Paul, so they heard the gospel like all the time. He had nothing to lose except his head, you know. So it was, but you read this and it's nothing like that. It's just, Timothy, keep the focus. And in our section here this morning, verses 1 to 7, um, we're going to especially focus on verses 3 to 6, but the whole section, well, the whole book, really, is not just the Apostle Paul exhorting and ministering to his son in the faith, Timothy, but I want your heart to be open to the Lord Jesus speaking to us because these very same things are the heart of our Lord to us today. Here we are in the 21st century. This was the first century. And the Lord has tarried because he's long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so here we are. Because the Lord tarried, you and I came to faith. And some of you that are here today, maybe, and some of you listening online. Maybe you haven't yet made that step, but the Lord wants you to take that step. And, and he knows you've got a lot of questions, but he'll answer those questions. He'll take care of it. But you've got to do first things first. You've got to step in. And so we're going to talk about that today. So there are going to be seven commands in these seven verses Seven action words, and you can find them on your own. That's your particular assignment for the week. But we're going to look at four of them this morning. And those four words are endurance, focus, obedience, and labor. And they have to do with a believer's resolve in serving the Lord during this life. And so because chapter 2, verse 1 Begins, you therefore. We're going to need to go back a few verses because therefore is put therefore. 
the previous verses. So you take the concepts from the previous verses and you bring them over and they become a, like a foundation for what he's going to say next. And then he'll say, therefore, again in verse 3. And so all of that is important to hold the context. So we're going to read chapter 1, verse 3, all the way through to chapter 2, verse 7. And then we'll begin in prayer and we'll see what the Lord has for us this morning. Chapter 1, verse 13. Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. This you know that all those in Asia who have turned away from me, among whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes, the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he, was, um, for he often refreshed me and was not afraid, ashamed of my chain. But when he arrived in Rome, he sought me out very zealously and found me. The Lord grant to him that he may find mercy from the Lord in that day. And you know very well how many ways he ministered to me at Ephesus. You, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses... Commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself in the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And also if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crops. Consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. Father God, we're looking for you to minister to us this morning. We thank you for the Holy Spirit who inspired the Apostle Paul to pen these words. And now here we are, so many centuries later, but... You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And your heart is the same. And so now, Lord, just not only minister to us, Lord, but give us the courage to follow through. And we give you the praise and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you're taking notes, you might just take out your pen or pencil or on your tablet or whatever you're going to be using. And it's important to write some things down, not just so much of, of what's being said, but what the Lord is speaking to you about as we go through this. When we come together as a church, as a gathering, assembly of called out ones, we're here to have the Lord speak to us personally, not just to hear information, I mean, we can go online and hear all kinds of information, but there's something about gathering together where the Lord is working in our midst in a particular dynamic. And so when the Lord speaks to your heart and brings something to your mind, sometimes that issue triggers you to go and think about other things, and you'll miss maybe half of what I say. That's fine. As long as you're hearing the Lord speak to you, 
and you do something about it and go, well, that's interesting, and then, then you just forget it. But write it down. That helps just burn it into your heart. So endurance is our first word. But take a look at verse, verses 1 to 3. You, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. In other words, Timothy, and actually the Greek tense here with be strong is keep on being empowered. Keep on being empowered. It's not a one-time deal. It's a regular life experience. Timothy, my son in the faith, keep on being empowered in and by the grace that is only in Christ Jesus. And there is a connection between God-given grace and God-given strength. You see it in Scripture, where the grace of God means his favor toward you, his free favor toward you based on his initiation. Be strong in the grace, strength and grace connected together. Paul says the same thing in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, where the Lord told him, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect or brought to completeness in your weakness. We don't like to be weak. We like to be strong. We like to be tough. We like to endure. But God allows things to come into our life to break us and sometimes to show us that we're not as strong as we think we are. We're not as mature as we think we are. And it's humbling because we kind of think of ourselves like we're doing all right. And the Lord says, you're a piece of work, you know. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff that has to happen in your life here. And so he just allows circumstances to humble us, to prove us, so that when we'll call out to him and he sustains us, we'll know that it's him and not us. Because our flesh is just right there under the water like a shark, ready to take the credit on anything good that happens. So Timothy, because the grace of God is given to you in Christ Jesus, and then in verse 2, because you've heard sound gospel truths from my words, my actions, and my attitudes, and verse 3, because you are to disciple other believers and raise up sound, faithful leaders who will impact generations to come. Therefore, Timothy, verse 3, endure hardship. Endurance. And he uses the Roman soldier to which he's chained, so he knows it very well. Endure hardship. The Roman soldier had to endure extreme difficulties challenging living conditions and surprise attacks in the course of his service. You know, our grandson just graduated from high school down in Phoenix, and he enlisted in the Marines. And right now he's in boot camp. And he, he had no idea of what he was facing. Marine boot camp, some of you have been in the Marines, so I'm not telling you anything new. You can see it online. 13 weeks, 70 days, designed to tear down 
you physically, emotionally, mentally, and then rebuild you. He's in week four right now. But let me tell you about week 10 out of 13. Here's how week 10 goes. On Monday, you'll face the confidence chamber, otherwise known as the gas chamber. In the gas chamber, you will learn how your gas mask works and gain confidence in using it. You will also probably inhale some CS gas or tear gas. This is so the recruit knows that the gas is only irritating and that you can actually fight through the experience. But it is tough. It's probably one of the most nerve-wracking experiences as a Marine recruit. That night, you'll take a five-kilometer hike to your camping site to begin the crucible. The crucible is the culminating event of the Marine Corps boot camp schedule. The 54-hour event will deprive you of sleep while you live in the field, operating on a 24-hour operations cycle and completing team-building tasks in your squads. Food is also limited, so expect to be tired, worn out, and still be expected to perform. You will be given two and a half MREs, meals ready to eat, for the entire two and a half day event. You will endure over 45 miles of marching, including a hike up the Reaper if training at Camp Pendleton. You can read this and go, oh, that sounds a bit tough. <laughs> uh, and my grandson is in for the experience of his life. But we serve the living God. If they can do that, what can we endure by his grace? You realize that today, right this second, there are believers that are being tortured for their faith in prisons around the world. Right this second. And they will not give up the names of those that they were meeting with to protect them. And they will endure the torture. They will endure the PTSD because it's worth it to be faithful to the Lord and to love and protect their brethren. They're enduring hardship. And actually, the word enduring hardship means um, an endurance shared by others in the same troop. Other translations show this to be true. Um, the English Standard Version puts it like this. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. The Amplified Bible puts it this way. Take with me your share of the hardships and suffering which you are called to endure as a good first-class soldier of Christ Jesus. The New American Standard Bible says, Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. The New Living puts it, Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. 
The Lord Jesus says to us, there is a fellowship of my sufferings that you will experience. And it's you and me together. Jesus said at the end of Matthew chapter 11, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. It has been said by many Bible commentators that there, and back in those days when Jesus was ref- saying this, that there was uh, a double yoke where you would train a younger animal to an older ox. And as I read those verses, I see the Lord Jesus in one side of the yoke saying, come and learn from me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. And the word easy there means fitting. Not easy like, oh, this is a piece of cake. No, it's, it means fitting. Fitting to you. Jesus, our master carpenter, has made the yoke exactly suited for the likes of me and you because he knows who you are and he knows what he can do in you and through you. Can I come to him and take that yoke and learn from him? I can by the grace of God because he'll give me that strength. We don't like to hear these words, share in suffering, share in hardship. Yeah, but I thought it was going to be, everything was going to work out, kind of like the end of a nice movie. (laughs) Well, you know, the end of a nice movie is being with Jesus, okay? It's not in this life. It's, It's when we see him face to face. Endurance. The opposite of endure is cut and run, abandon post, AWOL, avoid at all costs, bail out when it gets tough. The Christian life is going to include afflictions and hardships, things that you thought you could never endure, but the Lord stands with you. You know, the Lord wants to calm the storm in your heart before he calms the storm outwardly. What's the benefit of just making everything easy? How do we grow inside? If you go down to the gym and you're just lifting the bar with no weights and you've been doing it for 10 months and you're thinking, look at me, look at me. (laughs) It's like, okay, maybe you're a little toned, but your muscles aren't growing. You're not able to lift more. Your faith needs to be tested. There needs to be times where the weights are put on the bar. Because God wants your faith to grow, and the only way your faith is going to grow is by it being tested. Does that make sense? And so it's important. It's it's just part of the Christian life. Jesus didn't say, if any man choose to follow me, let him take up his soft bed and pillow and let's go. No, he didn't say that. He says, if anyone come after me, let him deny himself Pick up his cross daily and follow me. So that's that's part of the gospel message. It's good news because you're freed from your sins. And the burden of sin has been lifted off. The sin of death is, is now on him. But there's still a road to follow. 
endurance. Let's look at verse 4, the next word, focus. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Again, the second illustration is around the Roman soldier, but the key word here is warfare. And the Christian is involved in his warfare, the world, the flesh, and the devil coming against him to tear him down. But it says here, why does he not entangle himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier? So the commander-in-chief is, is the, the focus, the goal of pleasing his commander-in-chief. And that's in an earthly setting of warfare with the Roman soldier. Of course, Paul is making application to spiritually our commander-in-chief, Jesus Christ. He is commander of the Lord's hosts. All the angels in heaven are under his command, and we're attached to him as being in the body of Christ. That he may please him. I want my life to be pleasing to the Lord. It is possible to please the Lord. Just like it's possible for your kids to please you. And in retrospect, it's possible for them to displease you as a child. But if, if your child behaves in a way that displeases you, it doesn't mean you throw them out of your family or you don't like them. It's just their behavior displeases you, grieves your heart. I remember our little granddaughter, Josie, when she was at our house visiting, she, she did something against what we said, and, and so we had to take something away from her. And she got mad at me. And so... She's sitting on the bottom of the stairs like this. And she says, uh, she calls me Poppy. You know, that's Grandpa. Poppy, I don't like you. And I said, well, Josie, I like you. I love you. She says, yeah, but I don't like you. You took that from me. I don't like you. <laughs> I says, okay, you don't like me right now. But I love you. And it's important you understand that you need to do what, what Poppy and Mimi say. So she was quiet. And I says, look, I put my arm around her, and I says, look, let's go have some ice cream and talk about it. She goes, okay. <laughs> Life is so simple, you know, when you're, you're like six years old. How does the Lord view us when we have a snarky day? when we get a little tantrum, go, I don't want to do that. I'm not doing that. I'm, I'm just mad. How does he deal with this? Do you see him as a god with a big fly swat array just looking for the opportunity to whack you? Well, maybe that's how you grew up in your family, but that's not how our God is. You realize that he adopted you out of the world's orphanage to be in his family? And he read your file from the first breath to the last breath, the first heartbeat to the last heartbeat. He knows everything about you. And he read it in the file. And he closes it up, puts it down as it were, and says, I want this one. 
And the world goes, why? Why would you want them? They're useless. Well, because I know what I can do in them. We were all adopted out of the world's orphanage, by the way, and brought into the family of God if you've trusted Christ for your salvation. And God, want, God loves fixer-uppers like us. We're a piece of work. And he wants to do that special work in us, and he's got all the time in the world. You realize that people used to live before the flood over 900 years, average age. So what's this 72 years average business? That's nothing. I don't want to live to 900 years, by the way. I just want to go be with the Lord. But I want to please my commander-in-chief by living in a way that blesses his heart, which means... I need to keep focus and not get sidetracked and not get entangled with the affairs of this life. Uh, social media today is a special challenge. And uh, we've got to be careful if we say that we're following the Lord Jesus and expressing his heart of love. You know, it, we can throw cheap shots out there on social media because you're not accountable. You can, it's like being a little kid in a fort and tossing things over and hiding behind things. Our life is to be expressed by love. Let's go to the third word. We've talked about endurance. We've talked about focus. And now we're going to talk about obedience. And Paul shifts from the soldier to the athlete. And he says in verse 5, And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. In the Greco-Roman world, they didn't have the, it wasn't called the Olympics yet, but they did have the games. And the goal of, of the game wasn't medals. It was a, a laurel wreath placed upon the head. And the thing was dead. It, it was a dead uh, branch that was placed, and the thing faded away totally. And, you know, after time, just faded away. But to get that laurel wreath on the head was like the crowning achievement. And each sport required a certain set of rules and training to excel in that sport. Whether it was javelin or running or weightlifting, each, think about it, even during our Olympics, each sport requires a certain regimen and discipline and self-denial. And you have to develop certain muscle groups and certain uh, timing and leverage and, and diet and all of that to be able to even qualify and then to hopefully get a medal. Hopefully the goal, that's the chief goal. And to ignore the rules of that particular sport just because your way of doing things feels better will disqualify you. And we have seen over the years medalists that have their medals taken because of being disqualified. And Paul uses this as an example for the believer to have their reward ripped off. God wants us to finish well. What's that mean? Finish well means by the end of your life, your life has been an honor. Not perfect, but an honor to the Lord. 
How do you finish well? Well, let me give you a key. Finishing well starts with today. Just finish well today. Because when you wake up at 2 in the morning, it's still today. And tomorrow is today. When you get to tomorrow, it's today. So just take today. Sufficient to the day is the evil thereof, Jesus said. Finish well today. And if you blew it today and you just went off the handle, then repent by the end of the day and ask God to wash your heart and and your mind and just put your head on the pillow and say, (coughs) you know, can I get a reset on that? Can you just like reboot me and and let's, let's start again? God's a God of grace. He knows. He already knew you were going to have a bad day. He tried to warn you, but you just went off on your way. And so, you know, deal with the consequences and let's work through it. Obedience. There are laws in the kingdom of God. And you know what the main law is for the kingdom of heaven? Love. God's love. Ruling in your heart. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And that love has to come from heaven because you cannot manufacture it. It has to come from heaven. And that means you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit as a believer. The world can't have the Holy Spirit, but you as a believer have been given the Holy Spirit as a down payment of your inheritance. Be filled with his love and follow through and be obedient. And then we come to the fourth word, labor, in verse 6. And again, he shifts the focus and he draws upon the farmer. Verse 6, the hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crops. The word hardworking is a Greek word that means to feel fatigue, to toil, to be wearied. It's not a fatigue from vain efforts or haughty motives. You're serving the Lord. And there are times it's hard, it's difficult. God has us serving other people, serving his people. And there are times we encounter those that we serve that are difficult to serve. And you know, God puts difficult people in our life. We want it all easy. Oh yeah, everybody's a friend and we, our personalities all, all mesh. You know, it, we're all different. God is doing different works in, in us. And there are times, I think one author called them sandpaper people that God allows to come into your life. Now, maybe your spouse is a sandpaper person in your life. Hopefully not. But why does God allow sandpaper people in the same congregation? Because we need them. We need them. Because our love must be tested. And God wants us to love based on his love for us, not upon convenience or ease. That's why he says, love your enemies. His kind of love can cause us to love our enemies. Do good to those who do evil to us. Yes, that can happen in the body of Christ. Read 1 Corinthians. 
Pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be children of my Father in heaven. Because God loved us when we were sinful and offensive to him. He loved us back. There's going to be times where the service in the Christian life is going to make us worn out because of life experiences. Things are difficult. And you know, for the farmer, there's no holiday until after the harvest. Some of you uh, have relatives that are farmers. Some of you may be farmers. You have your own fields. You know what it's all about. But think of it. The farmer has the same field that he works every single year of his life. He knows every little bog. He knows every section where the soil just is lacking certain nutrients and not producing. I mean, he knows it so deeply. So why does he do the same thing every year? Where's the excitement? Where's the benefit? Well, let me tell you. And as a far- if you're a farmer, you know this. There are certain parts of it that just are the best. When the soil gets turned over, the the scent of fresh soil is part of it. And then all of the labor, all of the work, and especially standing on the edge of your field and looking over the field and seeing harvest time, the fruit of your labor. It's worth it. The hard work is worth it because of the harvest. And Paul is using that as an example, saying, Timothy, it's worth it. Keep your eyes on the harvest. What's the harvest for us? Not how many souls we won, but it's being with Jesus. That's the end. It's there. I'll see him face to face. I'll behold all the little shadow nuances that I hear about what heaven is like, I'll see it face to face. That is worth the hard work. And if we get our eyes off of that and we get it on how hard it is, we'll lose our vision for sure. I remember being a little kid and going to my uncle's farm in Kansas. And you know when you're little, everything is like, like super massive. You ever go back to the, to the house you grew up in and you're going, this place is dinky. <laughs> Man, I thought it was, you know, this backyard, I thought it was like forever. And it's like, what? It's just a little lot. Yeah, and, you know, everything is big when you're little. So I would go there and he'd be in the time of being on his combine. And, you know, as a little kid, this combine was like transformers. I mean, this thing was was just overwhelming and he would invite me up to sit on his lap while he ran the combine and it was like the event of my life I gotta keep my eyes on the harvest when it's all over I want to hear the words of my Lord Jesus he said he would say well done good and faithful servant. He didn't say perfect. He said good and faithful. Faithfulness includes repenting 
when you're unfaithful, by the way. Good and faithful servant, you've been faithful over a few things. Join with me in ruling. I've got lots more for us to do together. Come to my yoke, in, a, in effect. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. This morning, are you ready to give up in your Christian life? The grace of God can strengthen you to press on, press through, and have endurance. Have you lost your focus? Maybe you've lost your focus in your marriage, you've lost your focus in your life, your purpose of your life. The grace of God can strengthen you to lay aside your man-made biases and opinions and be obedient to his word. Looking, at, looking to Jesus as the author of, and finisher of your faith. Are you in the midst of the hardest season in your life and you just don't think you can handle it? Well, keep your eyes on the, on the goal. It's worth it. To taste that first fruit, it's worth it. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your word today. Help us to take the things that you share with us, personal things, things between you and us. Help us, Lord, not to let it drop to the ground, but to, to take it and internalize it and go deeper with you. And we thank you, God, for the word of God that we're able to have even here in the 21st century. And Father God, there might be some here in the sanctuary or those that are listening online. And as they've been listening, they're considering the fact that they've never really yet completely trusted Christ for their salvation. And they're still at war with you, God, and you want that war to end, and you've provided the way. If this is you this morning, God is calling you to take a step of faith and to trust Christ for your salvation. Repent of your sins. Confess your sins to God. Ask him to forgive you of all those sins. Wash you clean and fill you with his Holy Spirit. And God will adopt you into his family. All he's looking for is your heart and sincerity and honesty to say, God, forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me from unrighteousness. I repent of my sins. I turn to you. Have mercy on me. He will accept it. He loves you. So now, Lord, as we close and worship together, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for your faithfulness in Jesus' name.